Welcome to Park City Church. You're listening to our weekly message, where we hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know and follow Jesus and welcome and serve others. Thank you for tuning in. It's, uh, it's, it's really good to see you guys. Uh, once again, I feel like it's a Sunday worth, worthy of a nap, and uh, uh, you're here. So hopefully not napping, although that remains to be seen. It may still be uh, something you do, hopefully a little bit later, but... Uh, uh, yeah, I, I just, uh, again, my name is Madam, the pastor here. It's my privilege to welcome you, to reflect on scripture with you. Thank you, uh, Kristen, Aaron, Perry, for leading us. And um, yeah, uh, bye-bye, fear, you can't stay here. Uh, this is good. Thank you. Um, I, you know, I, just some preliminary things I wanted to point out before we step into the passage. One, I think, is deeply significant. And, uh, we're, you know, the Chiefs are headed to the Super Bowl next week again, right? I just want to point out, I, my family and I moved here five or six years ago, and in that time, the Kansas City has brought home a World Series title, a Super Bowl, a second trip to the Super Bowl. So I, I don't want to suggest, right? I don't want to suggest that correlation is causation, but I'm, I'm just saying, right? So uh, for all of you who uh, that excites you, awesome. For those of you that are like, meh, well, you know, h- hang with us and uh, uh, we can hang out. I, I, I also want to just take a moment before we step into the passage and ask you to have a conversation with a neighbor. A very brief one, uh, a moment of confession. Confession takes a lot of forms in different streams of the church. Don't freak out. All right, here's, here's uh, how, what I want you to confess this morning. Is your Christmas tree still up? All right, are you ready? You got like 15 seconds. Talk to a neighbor. Go for it. Or confess you never put one up. Uh. All right. Uh, I, I could ask for a show of hands, but uh, for those of you that had to had to confess you never put up any Christmas decorations, I'd love to chat with you afterwards. But um, yeah, so I, I uh, Kristen, I, I believe, st- still have your tree up. Yeah, still has her tree up. So uh, I just given her a hard time. Uh, but but he, he, here's what I think. You know, I suppose, right? I suppose that like. Uh, I, you know, well, one, I thought I loved Christmas, but my tree has been down for a few weeks. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I applaud that tenacity to just hang, hang on. But I suppose, right, if there was ever a year to kind of hang on to a good thing, right, this, this is one of them. And uh, that feeling, I think, uh, finds its way into our passage, uh, into our reading this morning. That, 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 that desire to just kind of hang on to something good when you, when you find it. Um, again, this is a really familiar story, a, a moment that has kind of found its way into culture and various expressions. This image of Jesus breaking bread and, and feeding uh, tons of tons of people. In fact, it's the uh, only miracle that's recorded in all four Gospels. Right? So significant and, and sort of um, you know imprinted on the minds of those early believers that this was a this was an, a significant. Uh, moment. It clearly left a mark. And there are a lot of things we could focus on in this story this morning. Uh, a, a lot of things we could focus on. One, I think, would be that Jesus will straight up take your lunch and give it to someone else, right? Like, uh, I, maybe that's not the intended sort of I- message here, but, but maybe closer to the truth would be that Jesus could take your meager lunch, whatever that might be, right, in all of our sort of limited capacity. 
that in the hands of, of uh, love come to town, right? The word made flesh in his hands, our little, can become uh, a lot. And that is certainly here, right? That is a theme that runs right through Scripture, from way back in the Old Testament all the way through this, this movement of God taking the little, <laughs> generally the nothing that we bring to the table and working something abundant, uh, something uh, multiplying it, like making it more than it is on its own. That is certainly here. It's in this story. I, I, I however, this morning want to suggest, right, that that's not maybe, uh, it's entirely here, yes, but it's not the entire point here, that, that maybe it's, it's in this story this morning, I want to suggest, in a kind of like uh, on the way to something else sort of way here. And the reason I think that is because of the last verse in the passage that we read in verse 15, that in John's giving us this moment, giving us this story, this is the commentary he provides uh, at the end here in verse 15. The crowd, the people who had just been fed in this incredible moment, Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him, then the crowd, take him, Jesus, by force to make him king. Jesus withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Right, so here, all right, so here is John uh, giving us this story. He's trying to help his readers then and now know what it means to understand that, that the word became flesh. God has made his home with us. And so he gives us this story of Jesus multiplying this, this little picnic lunch and feeding all of these people. Uh, and then in response to that, he gives us this, this bit of detail in the story that in response to this, they wanted to make him king by force. And Jesus instead withdrew by himself to a mountain. I, I, I think I want to suggest to you that that what happens in this passage is a move that we're all prone to make, right? It's kind of like that same impulse to leave your Christmas tree up, right? That, uh, that we want to hang on to a good thing when we find it. If I could use the language of the, the reading this morning, I, I want to suggest to you that, that generally speaking, it's probably not always true, but, but we're all of us, we want to make Jesus king in the wilderness, right? When we're in a place of, of emptiness at the end of ourselves, when we don't quite know how we're going to meet the immediate needs of the moment that we're in, I mean, all of us, there's this tendency in us to, well, yes, we, we want to make him king there. We see something good and we want to make him, uh, we want to hang on to it. It's, it's, a, it's a, again, a, a variation on a theme that we've seen already, right? Last week, the image of Jesus around the pool, uh, uh, not the cabana, right, but just like, uh, you know, a, a place where people went to, to be healed and Jesus showing up and stepping into the life of this man who had been sick for nearly 40 years. Uh, we saw last week that Jesus is, every, you know, responding to this pool in us. We're doing everything we can just to get to the water. Right, that man saying, Jesus, I'm doing everything I can just to be here, right? That that feeling is there. And, and I wonder if that's maybe some of it here, right? That last week we were all just trying to get to the pool. This week we're all just kind of wandering around in the wilderness looking for, looking for something to give shape and purpose and help to our uh, sort of wayward lives. Uh, I think perhaps maybe that's your experience. That's what pulls you into to church or your friends or your neighbors that may be curious about faith and, and what Jesus means and who he is might be this need for 
direction in the wilderness. Um, I think, though, I think also we've, we've bumped into this moment before in another way as well. Uh, and that, this is in verse 2. So right at the beginning of the passage, this is a, a theme we've seen already. It tells us that this crowd of people had gathered around Jesus in the wilderness. Verse 2. A large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing among the sick. And so this is a, a, another move that we've already seen, that, that, that people are sort of gathering around it because of what he's done, right? They, they're seeing something spectacular, something incredible, and, uh, and, and they're naturally curious, following him because of the signs that he's done, right? This is, we've bumped into this already. So I, I just this morning wonder if in your experience of faith, whatever questions you might have about Jesus, uh, about the church, right? In, in your experience, I, I would imagine probably all of us can find ourselves somewhere on this, on a range, maybe painfully aware of our need in the wilderness. We need some help, right? We are at the end of sort of our resources and we need help. Or, you know, maybe at the other end, we're, we're attuned to the fact that there seems to be something kind of spectacular about Jesus. I mean, what's all this buzz about? And we're a little bit curious, Right? Maybe our experience of faith or church kind of, you know, we, we probably bring however many people there are in here that many different experiences, but somewhere in there maybe is, is an experience of something uh, bigger. And, and we're curious. And, and in those moments, in that space, right, in, in this story, in the wilderness, who wouldn't want to make him king? Right? I mean, he had, just, he had just stolen this boy's lunch. And, or, or girls, and multiplied it and, uh, and then fed, right? Like, uh, that was an ill-timed and inappropriate, I suppose, joke, right? They gave Jesus his lunch, and he multiplied it and fed all of these people. And in that moment, you can, in reading the story, you can feel the, the fervor, right? This, this is incredible. Let's make him king. But, but I think the story... Uh, does something interesting here. And we didn't read the rest of it. It's 70-something verses long. I thought that'd be too long to read in a service. I wanted to, but Jess told me, too long, Matt. Uh, so, uh, so I'm just going to tell you. Um, but, uh, right, like, so it, it, the story takes a turn after this moment uh, that following this incredible miracle, Jesus, again, multiplying this little and turning it into abundance, the, the story sort of moves back across the lake, right? So they're in the wilderness at the beginning. Then they travel across the lake, and we're back in town, right? We're back in sort of uh, civilization, if you will, right? We're in Capernaum. We're, we're, we're kind of back in town. And what I think we find here is that while in the wilderness, everybody's like, make Jesus the king. Man, back in town, we, we tend to think we're kind of better off on our own, right? This is the space where you know, we, we kind of got things under control. Maybe we've, we've uh, you know, we've worked out our, uh, <laughs> right, our, our emergency fund is in place, right? We kind of know where the next paycheck's coming from. Not, not all of us now, right? And maybe that's like a wilderness space, but generally in town, you know, like we, we, we got things under control, right? We've, uh, we got all our religious P's and Q's are in order. We, we, we kind of know what's, what's going on uh, back in town. And it's interesting to me that in this space, Jesus is confronted about the nature of the miracle that we read about this morning. And in an effort to explain it, 
right? So religious leaders, the, the text tells us people from that crowd that have, have experienced the wilderness are now here with him in town as well, right? They're like, they've just been clamoring to make him king, but now they're hearing him un- unpack or try to explain. And this is the significance of that moment. And much later in this chapter, Jesus says, let, let, me, let me put it to you like this. I mean, you guys are hung up on the bread and I know it's good, right? It's fresh and, uh, you know, it's, it's good, right? That just, there's a continual supply here in this moment, right? It's good. There were even leftovers, but Jesus tries to move them further. I, he says, am the living bread, like we sang about this morning, that came down from heaven. And if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I will give for the life of the world is my own flesh, he says. Right, so in this moment, Jesus kind of nudging them. Right, you're kind of hung up again on the sign and the bread and, and maybe the spectacular nature of what happened there and what it could mean. And I'm trying to pull you further into why I'm here and who I am. But what happens back in the security of town, right, where, again, we take pretty good care of ourselves, where, again, all of our ducks are generally in a row, right? Like we, 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 we're doing all right here, that it, in that space... Someone like Jesus is a bit more disruptive, right? A miracle worker of this sort is kind of a threat to the life that we've built, religious or otherwise. It was true in, in John's day, right, that, that Jesus, in a sense, uh, without sort of getting lost in some of the history, it has the potential to significantly disrupt the uh, geopolitical apple cart, if you will right? you got religious leaders uh, under the thumb of Roman oppressors and the, the expression of that governance. There were sort of uh, provincial leaders who were trying to keep the peace and keep things from getting too out of hand. And, and you have the Caesar that if things got out of hand, he was going to punish the religious leader. And so you got the religious folks trying to like, we don't want things to get too crazy because we don't want them to bring the hammer down, right? So everyone's kind of looking out for kind of their piece of the pie here, if you will. And in, into that space, like, man, we, we don't need a king here, right? We certainly don't need what, whatever bread you're baking, Jesus, right? Like, like uh, th- this, that was great in the wilderness. Uh, but, but here, it's a disruption. And I think like last week, maybe the week before, I think we, uh, we're seeing sort of two sides of the, of the same, yes, of the same coin. Right, that that we're looking, we're kind of looking at the same thing, but from uh, maybe seeing it from from two vantage points. In the wilderness, maybe we need help and we know it. Right, or, you know, in town, maybe we don't. Maybe we still need help. We just don't know it or don't want to admit it. But either way, either way, we'll discover as we step into this story. Either way, we'll we'll discover that our our our, our knee jerk reaction is we don't need the kind of help you're offering, Jesus. What we want is the spectacular, right, or nothing at all, right? But Jesus, what you, what you have on offer, uh, the menu here is not something we, we are looking for. And, and here's what I think I want to suggest to you, the, the kind of main point of where I want to land this morning, uh, is that when love comes to town, our, our theme this morning, uh, over these last few weeks, our, our theme uh, of, of John 1, 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, right? God moved into the neighborhood of your life and mine, into this physical world, that when love comes to town, well, what does that look like? And John has given us these signs, he calls them, these moments that, that give us an insight. This is what God is like. Uh, that in this moment, I would suggest to you that, when, that, he, that he suggests to us in this story that when love comes to town, 
that, that he doesn't come, Jesus doesn't come asking us to make him king, right? But instead to trust that he already is. Right, that Jesus doesn't come, wilderness or town, regardless of your experience. In, in, in one sense, in this story, we see he doesn't come sort of asking the crowd to, to make him king, but rather to trust that he already is. And, and I think if I, if I could maybe pull us into that truth uh, as we see it in this passage this morning, here's what I would suggest, what I think is the rub. of of the truth in this passage is that all of us, it was true then, as we'll see in the passage, it's true now. We are much more comfortable crowning who we want or or who we think we want. I mean, this is the pull of the human heart, right? Like uh, we are much more comfortable crowning who we want than we are surrendering to the truth of the one who is in front of us, in this case, Jesus. And I think this, this looks... You know, we could go real big, right, like in our sort of culture and world, the history of the church. This, this has lots of shapes. Maybe Jesus is a socialist, right? We want, we, we're okay with socialist Jesus or capitalist Jesus, right? We, we go real big. We're, uh, you know, there's like white racist Jesus. There's revolutionary liberator Jesus. And we, we, we're comfortable kind of putting all of these crowns on him uh, because they kind of fall in line with, with our expectations. Let's make him a king. Uh, but what we struggle with is the Jesus who says, I have come to give my life as a ransom for sinners, which is all of you. Right? I have come. I have come to lay my life down. You see moments like this in the wilderness. You're trying to make me a king. And what does he do? He withdraws by himself because he has come to give his life as a ransom for many. And again, those are kind of maybe out there sorts of ways, but I imagine that same pull is present in your life and mine. That when it comes to our approach to faith, specifically faith in Jesus, we're much better at sort of kind of crowning uh, who we want and, and what we expect him to look like than just yielding and surrendering to the truth that he is king as we have seen him in scripture. Who comes to give his life as a ransom for many. It's, it's, in, it's in the story we read this morning. It's in verse 14, towards the end of our passage. This is how we see that, that move here. So in verse 14, right, he's just fed them all, and uh, they're in the wilderness uh, there, and their response to this moment, right, just prior to like, let's put a crown on them, uh, is when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, they said, this is indeed the prophet, the prophet, This is the prophet who has come into the world. Again, just a bit of background. The imagery here is a reference to Deuteronomy uh, around 18, chapter 18, way back in the beginning of the story of of the people of Israel, that God had given them a promise recorded there that the first prophet in that sense, capital P prophet, was Moses. He had led the people in the wilderness. He had been an agent of God providing bread to them in the desert, Moses, the prophet. And early in that story, God had said he would raise up another prophet. And that hope just runs, runs throughout the hope that, man, someone of the same caliber and, and uh, magnitude of Moses, a deliverer for his people would, would come, a prophet. And here are the people, all of that sort of history maybe playing into the spectacular nature of this moment. Oh, this is the one. Let's make him a king. 
it, it, again, as we've already said, uh, just to, to appreciate the moment they're in, this is, uh, John tells us right at the beginning, verses 1 and 2, right at the top, that this is at the time of Passover festival, a, a moment of sort of intense kind of nationalistic fervor. The people remembering who they were, remembering all these hopes of, of deliverance and a deliverer maybe, the promise that God, as he had done in Egypt and Prince of Egypt and all that stuff, right? As he had done then, he would do again and set us free from our, in this instance, Roman oppressors. And again, it's a delicate sort of political scene. Right, everyone. I mean, this, this, it's it. The, the things have been fomenting. There had been other messiahs that had risen up, and the Roman Empire had come in with a hammer and squelched it. Right, so clearly that was not the guy because he's dead. Right, this 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 story had been played out before, and here is Jesus. Right in this moment, all of this happening, hearing the people clamoring, let's make him a king, and what does he do? What does he do? He withdraws to a mountain by by himself. Some scholars, you know, just kind of reflecting on this, wonder, like, you know, did, did he hear something familiar in that wilderness? Had he heard this before? Maybe in the other gospel stories where we read the story of Jesus being drawn into the wilderness to be tested, to be tempted. And in, in that moment of, of isolation and aloneness, being pulled into the temptation specifically, that if he would just submit to the one in front of him, that, that all the kingdoms of the world would be his. Is that same sort of wooing voice present in this moment? Let's make him a king. Let's ride this train as far as it will take us. Others have suggested that the tension in this passage, the tension in this passage is that Jesus knew he knew in this moment, behind this, behind this movement to withdraw, he knew that the way his kingdom would triumph, the way that he would be king, would be in a way that no one expects. That he wouldn't come with a sort of full-on frontal assault against the Roman oppressors, that he wouldn't kind of, you know, and once D.A. Carson, New Testament scholar, put it beautifully, so I'm just going to say it the way he said it. That he wouldn't, uh, that Jesus knew he would go to Jerusalem, not wielding the spear and bringing judgment, but rather he would come to Jerusalem receiving the spear's thrust and bearing that judgment on himself. And in John's telling of this story, the tension is that no one in their right mind wants a king like that. Right? That this is a story they had seen played out. If, if, if he dies, he's clearly not the Messiah. Right? This is not the person we're looking for to work all of this. A king who feeds thousands in the wilderness, sign me up. Right? He would be unstoppable. We, we, uh, we, we got a dog two weeks ago, my family, and one of my children keeps running around and just announcing, like, she's unstoppable cuteness, right? Like, which is lovely, a great title, right? I, I picture uh, cuteness is probably not the word, but a sense in which the, the imaginations of these people having witnessed what Jesus has done, he would be unstoppable. Let's make him king. Give him a platform, a microphone, right? Like, let's, let's move this thing forward. But a king, right? give us that, yes, but a king who lays down his life as a ransom for many, bread, he says, that will be broken on behalf of the world, that will die the death of a criminal. No thanks, right? You, but you can have him. 
right? Again, to use the image, right? We don't want what you're baking. Right? This is uh, no thanks. And in the midst of all of that, as we step into this picnic in the wilderness, we hear Jesus nudging them directly and us, right? I'm not coming to ask you to make me king. I'm coming to ask you to trust that I already am. That as you experience what my life will be, what I say, and then uh, even what you see and witness and experience, to trust despite what your heart and mind might tell you, to trust that I already am. It, it, it is explicit at the end of the story in John chapter 6. For 66, actually, right? Jesus trying to explain to them, you've had all this bread. It's much more than that. I'm telling you, I am that bread. You need me in your life. My words are life, he says. This bread will be broken, right? All of that imagery there. In response to all of that, he tells us in verse 66, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. We, we don't want what you're baking, Jesus. We, we just, either in town, we kind of got it together. This is a disruption. We want what you do in the wilderness, but like this doesn't seem to be what you're really ab about in, in this instance, so no thanks. And into that space, whatever expectations you or I might bring into who Jesus is and what it might mean to know that God has made his home with us, he says, I haven't come to ask you to make me king, but to trust, to trust that I already am. It's, it's amazing if you read this story. It's almost like Jesus intentionally sort of defies their expectations, just, just drives them away, is intentionally provocative, right? Uh, almost in a sense, again, like pushing back, like you, you guys, this, this, this train that has left the station is not the right one. So I, I want to ask you this morning, what does it mean? Right? What does it mean for you and me now? We get a sense of this, uh, sort of what's happening in this story. But for you and me now, what does it mean to, to kind of step into this truth, to just trust that Jesus is the king, the bread of life? Right? I, I would ask you, right, that to, to, to trust as he lands here that his words are life, that, that what we need is not him to give us bread, but that he is the bread. We need his presence with us. What does it mean to trust that he is the king outside of all our expectations? Well, here's where I think this truth finds traction in, you, in your life and mine. When I'm in the wilderness of an unanswered prayer, trying to make sense of sort of the end of my means and the need for something spectacular, what does it mean for me to trust that he is king already? Right In, in the midst of uh, maybe your wilderness or mine where the spectacular seems abundantly necessary and yet just out of reach, what does it mean in that space to confess and trust that his words for you and me there are life? That somehow in the life of this, this one who would lay his life down, there is life for me even in the wilderness. Or maybe, maybe for you and me, it's in the security of town, right? That place, like maybe you're like, well, that's great. That, that's not really where I am. What does it mean for you to trust that Jesus is king in the spaces in your life where I kind of got this under control, right? My life seems to be bearing up pretty well with my own effort. I kind of got the next few things planned, right? Like I, 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 I have this under control in that space, for you to trust, to confess, 
that he is king already, right? That, that it, even in, in that place, I think of those first disciples, what did it mean for them to see him on, on a cross? Let's make him a king, right? It, it, it's language that continues throughout John's gospel. Pilate will try to engage him around it. The people will cry. We have no, like the, the people of whom God had been their king historically will cry, we have no king but Caesar, right? It it's, runs right through the heart of John's gospel. Jesus telling them, you, it will be hard for you to believe, but I'm here to tell you, I'm not here for you to make me king. I'm, I'm here for, to invite you to trust me that I already am, even when you see me on a cross, right? In that sense, reminding you and me that he didn't come just to, give us bread, right? He came to be our, our bread. Right? That, that, that he, he knew, right? Like he wasn't coming with a show of force and power to kind of work this change, but instead the power to, to radically change our appetites in this world and in this life by feeding us words of eternal life. I don't know, again, where you are in that story, but my prayer for all of us for Park City Church as a community, for us, regardless of sort of where we are in our faith journey, is that God in his grace would give us the response of Peter in this particular story. Peter gets a bad rap for all sorts of things, and I kind of appreciate it, right? He was human like you and me. But here in this passage, after we read that some are being like, they're, they're just walking away. Jesus, you do not meet our expectations, right? This is not for us. Jesus turns to Peter and the others, and you guys too. And Peter says to him, Lord, where else would we go? To whom would we go? You have the words of eternal life. My prayer for you, for me, for us as a church is that this would be a confession that rings true in your life and mine. I, th I think I've, I've shared before, uh, I'm embarrassed to admit, I think it's been almost a solid year close to it that our family has done cinnamon roll Saturdays, right? This is not a sustainable life habit, okay? I have run many, many miles uh, from sa between Saturday and Saturday to enable this habit, right? Uh, and it's been a great one. It kind of started early, uh, man, almost a year ago, and then like through COVID just became a, a thing we began to look, look forward to. As a Sunday routine changed, right, we had to go strictly virtual, it became cinnamon roll Sunday. I tried to make it Saturday and Sunday, but that, that didn't go over well. But we shifted it a bit, right? But it, it became this sort of uh, just really kind of great thing we, we kind of looked forward to. And, and now, now it's, I mean, I can't change it without fear of revolt, right? There will be an insurrection <laughs> if, uh, if I ever, I, I tease all the time, and uh, maybe that's why it never lands with great effect. But I'm like, maybe we'll just scrap it. This week, in fact, I said, well, no Saturday this week. We're having two Fridays, so no cinnamon rolls, right? Uh, but but it's interesting, uh, you guys like, uh, really, we don't need to hear about all these like personal struggles. But, um, but, but what it's been for us is interesting, right? What it's been for us is, is, is you know, just the world has been weird. And, and I, 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 again, like last week, readily confess that it has been uh, exponentially harder uh, for others than, than for us, right? But, but in the midst of sort of the disruption to the life of my eight-year-olds, Right, Cinnamon Roll Saturday over this last year became this like rhythm of uh, life and rest. It was this moment, right, of, of joy, right, a respite, kind of like something to look forward to. Everything was different, life was crazy, but this was a space where, uh, right, it was like a, just a, a breath. And, and I, I think, you know, which is great, but over time, 
over time, its effectiveness, we've seen it wane to the point that like yesterday, I'm not going to rat any particular child out, but we move very quickly from the joy of delicious, hot cinnamon rolls to I'm bored, entertain me, right? Right, the, the, the lingering effect of this sort of joyous moment. I see some of you speculating, I think it's this kid. No, I'm not telling. Uh, right, that, that joy like uh, just over time doesn't, doesn't have staying power. And, and, and Jesus is telling that crowd of people and you and me, all the expectations we bring, the hope for that miraculous sort of, give me that bread, right? Like, it's like that doesn't have staying power. You will be hungry again and you'll die <laughs> eventually, right? That, that bread has no staying power, right? There might be temporary reprieve from the stress of your life there, but I have come to give you rest, life that will know no end, he says. Life, I am the bread of life, he says. Will you trust me? Trust Thank you for listening to the Park City Church Podcast. To learn more about our church and or to find ways to get involved in our community, visit us at parkcitykc.com or follow us on social media at parkcitykc.com.